It is Locked on Jazz for the 3rd of May. A snowy 3rd of May? That's probably not okay. Don and Rudy, what should we be thinking about all the chatter? And was the pivot from defense to offense a mistake? We're looking at all of it coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen every single day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, where you can get involved with the comment section and discuss what's going on. There's daily poll question, as well as a question uh, to all of you about whatever might be going on, and you can hold your own conversations on the podcast players. Please Leave a comment. We'd greatly appreciate it. So there's so much talk about Don and Rudy and that relationship and everything's going on with it. I thought yesterday was pretty interesting and insightful for those of you who followed it on how this works. So Brian O'Connell, who's super good dude, the times I've interacted with him, always enjoyed him, uh, sent out a tweet. Uh, Brian is a former MMA fighter who's working in some national media. He's known for his, his fight work. And his college football work, self self said, and he sends out a tweet that he's hearing from his sources that uh, Rudy Gobert um, is going to meet with management and say it's him or Don. Okay, now I have no idea, um, and really don't have much of a comment on it, other than I thought it was really interesting for everyone on how this stuff works because we actually get it firsthand up close here. So the way it works is that Brian O'Connell, who act, is a media member, deserves 100% respect. I'm not dissing him at all. And he you know, could kill me. Um, but, like, I wouldn't think of him, and he says himself, as an NBA, like, expert in any way, shape, or form. And yet every single aggregating outlet carried that story yesterday without ever checking for one second whether it had any validity. Now, it might be right. I'm not saying it's not. I, I, the process is what I'm talking about here. That story got picked up. If there's ever a case, because of the fact that while Brian is media series XM, does cool stuff and is a great dude, he's not an NBA reporter. He says it himself when he goes on with Ben and Jake yesterday. Like, I'm not an NBA guy. So, If there's ever a case where you would think that maybe somebody in the national media would for at least a second try to find out if anyone involved in the story collaborates it to say it's true, a second source, take a look at something, see whether it's accurate or not. Nope, none of it, not a single thing. And that's where we are in sports media and probably all media at this point today is somebody says something, maybe accurate, maybe inaccurate, and Everyone runs with it, just runs with it, aggregates it, sends it out, tweets it, reaction, da-da-da, and then it it just, and what it does is it goes from like 
in this day and age, what's interesting, so that goes from a Twitter account to like a local radio, boom, boom, and then it's on every national thing. So I have no idea. In regards to Don and Rudy, I think there's two things that need to be discussed. Okay, let's not like hide behind. There was the COVID situation where Don was really, really mad that Rudy, you know, gave him COVID. I think in retrospect, we probably realize we have no idea. And then there was the this year where, you know, they come out of Rudy gets COVID and they don't play well and Rudy won't let it sit and he makes the Devin Booker comment and then Donovan and Jordan clap back at it. And, you know, it's like, that's not, it's not a great look. Um, so it's not new. And, you know, I think the other part of that is that this is not new. Um, if you kind of go through every situation in almost the last 20 years in the NBA of two young players rising up together at some point, it's acrimonious. You know, everyone wants to say Steph Curry, Clay Thompson is the example where it goes otherwise, but Steph Curry, Monte Ellis is where it doesn't work. Didn't work. Um, Draymond, uh, Damian Lillard, LaMarcus Aldridge, the famous ones, Shaq, Kobe, Shaq, Penny. Uh, just run through it. Where Durant, Harden, Westbrook, you know, some point didn't work. Um, it's, it's not uncommon that two players rising up together, jousting for position on who's the star, where they fit in the game, have some sort of, you know, whose team is it? Where are we going from here? Issues. This is, this is not new to the NBA. This is actually why I seriously question the Oklahoma City Houston model of every single person, you know, building up million draft picks, putting them all together and having it rise up together and having it work. Interesting, by the way, is that Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum haven't last year did this year. Don't seem to be having the same issues last year. felt like there, there was some issues there. Um, and it, that was maybe on the verge of, and remember earlier this year was like, do you have to blow them up? That was the whole conversation when Boston was in town, John Corrales and I did a crossover about that. So the concept's not new. Um, I will tell you this, and this is all I can go on. I watch practice almost every day. I've never seen anything behind closed doors that would ever allow you make you believe that there's something acrimonious there. Um, when you uh, when you watch them interact, they're communicating. When you watch them walk through the locker room, they communicate. In places, you know, there's not like this acrimonious. Um, I've used that word a lot today, but there's not blow by of, you know, caustic, um, toxic blow by of each other when they walk by each other. There's there's none of that. There's physical contact, which is often, if you read any psychology, like the number one thing to look at when a group's not getting along, particularly like a sports group, is they stop with the physical contact. There's none of that. So, you know, I'm my concern is not to just alleviate each of them from this, but that each of them have people around them. And that there's enough voices on each side that it could build, that that could create something that, you know, either is or isn't. I mean, there's frustration. They've lost in the first They lost in the first round, right? They lost in the second round of the year before. They lost in the first round before that. There's frustration, no question. Um, as there should be. And then to blame, the blame stuff, I think, often comes from camps. That's always been my viewpoint, is that 
what happens to athletes is they get a bunch of people. This is again, general, uh, they get a bunch of people around them. And then those people are around them. Aren't going to tell them that they're any part of the problem ever because they are scared that they would get knocked out of being around them. And so therefore there's always got to be, they're going to promote that there's some other problem. And so it's that guy or this or that, that's the problem. And that leads and that's what that's why I also don't believe in roster continuity. The Jazz had great success with roster continuity two years ago going in the bubble. And so in that case, I was wrong. But I generally don't believe in roster continuity because no player ever leaves and comes back the same because they've had the voices and the groups around them talking. And it's pretty hard to be a player, any player, uh, once you're making five or six million to not have a group around you. And so my concern is the camps right now, is that there's a whole pride factor in the camps. Um I don't think either guy wants the other one to, and I don't know if either of them are really going to, you know, demand a trade me or him. And then the team decides. And if they decide, you know, however they decide, it looks bad either way. Um, So I don't know, you know, and all that talk sounds like prideful, like me or him, pride kind of stuff. Um, And I think that's camps talking, Uh, hopefully calmer, cooler heads will prevail over all of it. Um, Because really, one of the things that we're going to talk about today that I think relates into this is the Jazz made a pretty dramatic change to who they were two, three seasons ago. Um, They went from one of the great defensive teams of all time to an offensive juggernaut. And was that, you know, was that in some way a mistake or, um, you know, as we look at trying to figure out why the team is where it is right now, where, where do we, what do we think of that now five years later um, I don't think mistake's probably the right word, but, you know, what what do we think of that five years later and and that pivot? And then how does that relate to roster building moving forward? And, you know, my feeling is that probably having your two best players is the best thing for your roster building. Um, I find it hard to find the scenario where not having your two best players is the best for your roster. Like, oh, I'm pretty, that's a pretty outlandish, incredible comment by me. Um, but... You know, and and have we? It feels as though we've built a roster for e- these. We're on these guys, and each of them on kind of each side of who they are as players. Um, and one a very defensive built team originally, and then a rightfully so, and then we pivoted to an offensive team. And you know, it's worth retrospectively looking back at it today, and that's what we're going to do uh, as we continue. Today's show is brought to you by. Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The Murdochs are a great family. They've been in Utah for over 80 years, and that's why they're not charging more than MSRP on any vehicle right now. Even though there's a car shortage, and even though they could, Blake simply has said, we're not going to do it. We're not going to be going to the grocery store, going to church, going to wherever in the community, and seeing people we took 5000 extra dollars from. I'm driving the Kona right now. It's the small, zippy, fun little SUV. The Palisade is the gorgeous, bigger one of the group. We've purchased two of the Santa Fe's, and then their sedans for the summer are absolutely beautiful. The Elantra is the North American car of the year, and the Sonata is souped up and fabulous. It's all over at Murdoch Hyundai. They're located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Linden and in Logan. Please feel free to give me a buzz and drop me an email at dlock09 at gmail.com, and I'll set up a meeting for you over at Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the daily fantasy made easy. You pick two to five players and over under their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just up to you and the projected number. Entries can be made at 60 seconds or less, so it's easy. Prize picks is safe, 
and offers fast withdrawals. Use the award-winning app on the App Store and Google Play. And right now, for a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer to all users to get $50 for free if a player in your first prize pick entry scores a single point. But you must use code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to Lockdown fans. Sign up today and use the code NBA50 for free if a player in your first prize pick entry scores a single point. All right. So for those of you who have been following the Jazz, you probably recall, but the Jazz in 1617 were the 12th-ranked offensive team and the third-ranked defensive team in the league. And they went 51 and 31. And they Joe Johnson and Gordon Hayward surprised the LA Clippers. But then when they played, faced the Warriors in the next series, the Warriors were obviously great. But as good a job as the Jazz defense kind of did in that series in a lot of ways, their offense just couldn't keep up. The Jazz actually had held the Warriors' offensive rating to 116 in that series, which was not terrible. Um, and if I recall correctly, kind of fell apart in game four. In game one, they allowed 106 points. Game two, 115. Game three, 102. And then they fell apart. They got really, they really rolled. And in game four, lost by 30 at home. Um, but the defensive ratings, if you actually go back and look at those games, the Jazz defense really did a, a very good job. They held the Warriors to a 116 on a Warrior team that was prolific. They held them to, you know, below their average. And then the next game, they held them to a 115, which was below their average. And then the third game of that series, they held them to a 111. The problem was the Jazz offense didn't come around. The Jazz offense in those games was a 99 in game three offensive rating, a 104, and so a 103. So even here was a playoff series in which the Jazz, you know, really did a lot of things well. The the problem was that even – even when the defense was good, which it was that year, it was the third best defense in the NBA, and it did a good job against the Warriors, the offense wasn't good enough to catch up. And in 17-18, the Jazz now with Donovan Mitchell are the 16th-ranked offense and the second-ranked defense, and they upset the Oklahoma City Thunder in the first-round series, one of only four upsets in the last five years in the first-round series. And then they go to Houston, and the same thing happens. The defensive rating for the series was great. It was a 111.6, which is fabulous considering where the Rockets were for the season. But the Jazz offense doesn't come around. The Jazz offense is a 101.4. And we get to the next season in 1819, and now the Jazz do the similar thing. They're the 15th-ranked offense, second-ranked defense, and they go up against the Rockets, and they've banged their head three times in a row. And the same thing happens. This time, the defense is even better. It's a 109.3, but the offense is a 99. So for three straight playoff series, the Jazz go play a high-caliber team, and their offense falls apart. And in that last series, Ricky Rubio shoots 4 of 20 from 3, and Jay Crowder shoots 9 of 30 from 3, and Joe Ingles struggles and shoots 8 of 29 from 3. He actually, that's where he learns to take the left dribble. And the Jazz pivot. And this is the pivot. So the Jazz pivot from a defensive team to an offensive team. And that July, they acquire Mike Conley. They tried to acquire Mike Conley, but they wouldn't give up the third, according to reports, they wouldn't give up the third first-round draft pick for Mike Conley at the trade deadline. They end up doing it that July. And the Jazz acquire Mike Conley in exchange for Grayson Allen, who in that previous playoff series, I believe, did not play. Um, he played 14 minutes the entire series, so he had not. He was not a major piece of it. Young kids just generally don't play this time of year. There's some exceptions, but not many. Um, 
And the Jazz now make this pivot and they trade. The first move that they make is they trade Grayson Allen, Jay Crowder, Kyle Korver, the draft rights to Darius Baisley, who they had drafted a few days later, knowing this trade was coming. Um, and that actually trade went to Oklahoma City. And then a conditional first round pick of 2020, which was this uh, two years ago, uh, where Memphis, I think, acquired with our pick. I think they might have moved it um, in the process. So I, I don't actually think it's that clear. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, or maybe it was maybe it was protected well enough that they didn't get to use it and they used it the next time. Um, so, uh, and a 20, yeah, the 2020 first round pick, Darius Basley. So really we gave up like the equivalent three first round picks because Grayson Allen was the first round pick, Darius Basley was the first round pick, and then the future 2020 uh, pick, which I think they may have drafted in 2021. Then we went and proceeded to trade Derek Favors to New Orleans and sign Boyan Bogdanovich to a multi-year deal. Um, we didn't have any draft prospects that year. We made some free agent signings, which all kind of were swings and misses. Emmanuel Moutier, Jeff Green, and Ed Davis fringe uh, pickups. And that was the beginning of the pivot um, for the Utah Jazz. This was the beginning to make the moves to be an offensive-based team rather than a defensive-based team. That those, those were the big ones. We signed Joe Ingles to an extension shortly thereafter. Um, and then the final move is that in December of that year, or uh, I have to check and make sure is that Dante Exum, we moved Dante Exum to the, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers in exchange for Jordan Clarkson. Um, I don't have the exact date on it. I think it was December 22nd, if I, 23rd, we acquired Jordan Clarkson for Dante Exum. So we've now made this three-part pivot in which we become an offensive team instead of a defensive team. Um, and this is really, this is a moment where you have to kind of look back and, and ask like, okay, was that, you have to remember the climate we were in. Like I've heard some people since then in this revisionist history, wanting to talk about like, well, we should have kept Ricky Rubio. The Mike Conley trade was a bad trade. So let, let's address that for a second. First of all, I, we all love from a team chemistry standpoint, there's, and this is, this is probably tomorrow's show. We'll go back to this tomorrow. The team chemistry standpoint, this is a major moment because Ricky is the leader and he's the gelling force of this team. And he leaves and then it's left for the young guys to try to lead. And as kind of in the open of the show, we talked about maybe not something that they've done, you know, particularly well. The other thing on Ricky is like he's a career 39% shooter and a career 32.6% three-point shooter. He had his two best years in Utah. Uh, where he shot 41.8 and 40% overall and 35% from the field and 31% from three. Like you just cannot, it is hard to find anyone in the league who's playing with those numbers and winning. You just, it's almost impossible. In fact, it is. The other part was that the league has been spreading out and going to more skilled players. We were playing Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert together. Neither could pass, neither could dribble, and neither could shoot. Like, it's just like the, it just doesn't exist. Like there's, we're seeing two bigs become revitalized when one of them's Jaron Jackson Jr. Who can dribble, pass, and shoot. We're seeing two bigs revitalized when one of them's Giannis who can dribble, pass, and shoot. But nobody had a team, the two play, two bigs that couldn't pass, couldn't shoot, and do anything. There's just no chance. So therefore, um, you know, therefore the, 
the, I think it's undeniable on the favors move that we had to, now we became less good defensively. The Ricky one for Mike Conley gets interesting, partially because of what you gave up. You gave up Grayson Allen. You gave up Jay Crowder, which you really had to give up anyway to bring in Boyan Bogdanovich. Jay Crowder was a free agent and you weren't going to, he wasn't going to want to be a backup to Boyan Bogdanovich. So you had to do that. Um, And then you gave up Darius Baisley, who, you know, was not a great pick by Oklahoma City. I think Jordan Poole was like four picks later. That would have been a much better pick, obviously. Who knew? Um, but he's been he's been pretty great. Um, in that 2019 draft, I, I don't think, um, you know, Ty Jerome, Naz Little, Kambali who's not playing, Winder or Windler, Jordan Poole, Keldon Johnson were the two good picks. And then, frankly, it's pretty empty after that. So that pick... You know, Grant Williams went the pick before is really good. It's been basically two players who've had an impact, Jordan Poole and Keldon Johnson in the next, you know, 20 picks until you get down to Cody Martin at 37. That's that's begging at that point. So, you know, I think when you talk about that switch to Mike Conley from Ricky Rubio, I think the switch off Ricky Rubio honestly was the right move as much as you like Ricky, but it does leave a leadership void that we'll talk about. The, the question is then we became an offensive team and did that work? And we'll we'll dig into that here as as we continue because what ends up happening is not that we just become an offensive team, but we become a horrendous defensive team in the playoffs. We go from being like a really good playoff defensive team to just an awful defensive playoff team in the next three series, and and that's that's kind of like the ebb and flow of the two things. And is there a middle ground, I guess, is going to be the grand question on how you can build um, this team in some sense. But those moves, as we look back, we'll, we'll, we'll continue kind of looking at that. As we look back at this, it's nice now to say, uh, I don't think so. Pretty hard if you go back and look at that environment at that moment to say, eh, I don't think so, and look at it. Those big major moves, the little ones, the Ed Davis, the Jeff Green, the Emmanuel Moutier, the Rudy Gay, the fringe free agent, we have not done a great, We've not had a lot of success on the minimum free agent, though Ed Davis was a minimum, Rudy Gay was a minimum, but that mid-level exception below signings have not yielded a great deal for us. Um, not Nowhere near what the like unres- the free agent Royce O'Neal, Joe Ingles pickups have, have yielded us um, in this process. Uh, so, all right, we'll talk about that as we continue. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. That was a crazy one last night. I don't know if you were paying attention to the lines last night, but... Um, the Dinwiddie three in the corner actually was, I think, on the line um, last night. So if you were if you were playing uh, last night, Phoenix total control wins that game. At least felt like it to me um, in total control last night and wins that game. Uh, Milwaukee and Boston night. Boston's a four and a half point favorite to even up that series. Golden State's a two point favorite in Memphis, and then Game Two's Miami's an eight and a half point favorite, and Phoenix is a six point favorite. Those are all at Bet Online. Dot net. Go get the latest in all the news, league reviews, uh, betting stats, sports info, uh, all the rest uh, at for this year's basketball playoffs as well as starts Major League Baseball, uh, live betting, playoff, esports, and more. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device and learn more about trends. Bet online. Also, Kentucky Derby coming up this weekend at betonline.net. All right, so we review that. So then what happens? So the Jazz then become, the next year the Jazz become the 10th ranked offensive team and the 13th ranked defense. COVID shuts down the league and we go to Denver. We play Denver in a 
in the series, and the Jazz offense is outstanding. A 123 offensive rating, all of the aspects of the offense that the Jazz were hoping for click in, and unfortunately the defense can't get stops at the end of that series. But, I mean, Donovan's amazing. He shoots 52% from three in the bubble. Clarkson has a great playoff series. Mike Conley's amazing. He does miss games for the birth of the kid, but he does a great job. He shoots 53%. Joe's better than he has been in the playoffs. George Niang was added uh, when they got rid of Jeff Green. Has a great playoff series. Royce O'Neal does, like, everything about the way the team's built in that playoff series comes together. But the defense kind of slips a little bit starting in game four of that series when the suddenly the offensive rating of Denver goes up to a 139. Jazz win that game with a 141. And then the defensive rating is a 124 in game five. And in game six, it's a 132. Then game seven, actually, everybody got tight. And it slipped all the way back down to a 90. But the defense collapses in the last part of that series until game seven. And but the offense is great. So there's there's the kind of exchange the Jazz made. Then the 2021 season comes. They beat Memphis. They play the Clippers. And we now I'm into you know you know this, but it's the same story. The defensive rating becomes a 130 by the end of that series. And then we get to this year where the defensive rating by the end of this series was actually not so bad. The offense. Here's what's so wild about this is by the end of this. The offense fails, which is so weird. The Jazz offensive rating in the last three games is a 111.5, a 85.1, and a 106.5. And so at the very end of all of this, when the Jazz make the pivot, at the very end, we're left with a team that doesn't make shots in the playoffs. And that suddenly makes you wonder, like, why did that happen again? Is there anything about the way the Jazz play and what they do and who their personnel is that they somehow don't make the plays in the playoff? Don shoots 40% for the playoff series, 21% from three. Boyan shoots 11 of 33 from three. Mike Conley shoots 33% and 5 of 25 from three. Royce O'Neal shoots 28% from three. He's always been a good playoff player. And then these other pieces because of Joe's injury, Wancho Herman Gomez shoots 4 of 12, and Daniel House shoots 2 of 20, and the Jazz shoot 27% from three in the playoffs. It's actually like eerily similar number to what they shot in Houston in that playoff series. And so now you're left with the question – was the offensive pivot worth it? Like the defensive pivot clearly wasn't working and all the moves made sense. But here at the end of this, now we're sitting there saying, wait a sec, we made the offensive pivot. We became bad defensively in those two previous playoff series. We made pretty good strides to be able to handle how to play off defensively with, with our rosters. And then, and then, The offense didn't come around in the final stretch along the way. And, like, did Boyan become a not very good offensive player? Did Mike Conley become a not very good offensive player? Was it something to the matchup? Was it something to the system? The Daniel, you know, the roster got crazy thin, right? Joe Ingles tears his ACL. Um... Rudy Gay, we sign and it it doesn't it doesn't work out the way anyone expected. I'd said the whole time that was a that was a postseason 
signing and it just didn't work. Um, you know, we can go evaluate all of the moves we want to make um, and analyze what the Jazz front office did probably at some point this week. It's it's probably unfair to totally put a spotlight there. Um, but it's hard to do, you know, it's hard to look at some other things. But, we, you know, we just lacked some depth. We can look at why um, the 2020 draft didn't, in 2021 drafts, didn't yield us. Um, well, the 2020 drafts, last time we had a first-round pick in the 2021 draft, we moved back to take Jared Butler and <coughs> move that pick um, to, to grab other picks. So it's, you know, we just, the draft didn't yield us any depth. The uh, the kind of mid-level signings and those things saw turned out pretty good this year. Um, but the off at the bottom line is we made an offensive pivot that lined up, right? Like we went to the number one offense in the league we became an offensive team. The weakness was defensively. And then all of a sudden in our very last playoff series, the offense didn't come around, which is just kind of the most bizarre part of the whole offensive pivot. And so why didn't the offense come around? And, you know, maybe it's it's personnel. Maybe it's collectiveness. Maybe it's losing Ricky Rubio's leadership. We'll talk, we'll talk about that as one of the theories. Um, tomorrow as we just kind of the theories on why the jazz are where they are, which is you've got to figure that out and analyze that to understand that to before you figure out and try to make some dramatic move or pivot off of it or make some huge change. Like, well, okay. What, why were we not up to an offensive issue? And I, I don't have an answer on that one. I'm not, um, I, I'm not ducking from it in any way. I, I really am stunned by it. Um, Dallas was good defensively. They are particularly good at defending above the break threes. Um, they're particularly good at number one defense in the league against catch and shoot. Um, so, you know, Dallas just faster, more athletic, uh, able to, you know, make force the jazz into plays that they didn't want to make, um, lack of ball movement from the jazz side of things, lack of togetherness, collective performance, which might go back to like the day Ricky Rubio left the, and in, in that sense, if you want to look at it, but Ricky is the offensive player is not going to help that. And I don't know how Ricky stays on the floor with a team progressing like that. For those who are kind of on the, we should have never traded for Mike Conley um, aspect of things. You know, was Mike Conley, you know, it would be interesting to go back and analyze the next set of moves around the NBA post Mike Conley of guard players that move. Drew Holiday moves 16 months later. He's probably the perfect piece, but that's 16 months. So it seems, you know, could you have pried Drew Holiday away 16 months earlier? Oh, I don't think so. Um, maybe. I mean, they gave up kind of two first-round draft picks and pick swaps. Indirectly, the Jazz can gave away three first-round draft picks, Grayson Baisley in the future. Would have that third pick, like, somehow move the meter and, for Dell Demps at the time in, in New Orleans, you know, probably ownership was having a lot to do with that. Hard to tell, but those are the discussions that have to be had to figure out what we do next. And what's interesting is do you just, you know, one of the decisions you could make here is, well, we did a defensive lineup. We did an offensive lineup and neither of them worked. Boom. We did a defensive lineup. We did an offensive lineup, but the offensive line didn't hold together. And we didn't give enough defense. If we meld that together a little bit, maybe we have the answer that that's really where you go from at the end of this show uh, today. And you can decide on that in the comment section. Feel free. This has been Locked on Jazz. Have a great one. Talk to you soon.